finished up the stories that Paul talked about with uh, the last one with the one with Peter. When he had to confront him face to face, as we applied the lessons of those things to our life, we saw that many times we use the tactics of the enemy to move people around us instead of the tactics of God. His are hard to follow. Boy, don't we know that? It's so easy to follow the way of the world and try and move people with guilt, shame, all these kind of things that we try and do, but how does God do it? He motivates us because of promises. He motivates us by showing us what faith will yield. He motivates us by showing what we can have, what we can go after, what we can pursue. But then he allows us to pursue it. And that's tough when we feel like we have the power in our hands to move people. But after he uh, gotten into all those things, the stories, now he's uh, going to get into some of the nuts and bolts of all this. And he starts off here, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? Now this phrase here, O foolish Galatians, the word foolish comes from the word that means unintelligent, unwise. And it refers to those who knew better but failed to, to use what they knew. J.B. Phillips, like his translation on this, if you, I believe I put it up on Facebook if anybody saw that to, to read. Oh, you dear idiots of Galatia. Which is actually a pretty literal translation of what, he, what Paul actually said. He didn't just, just say foolish. He is basically saying, Yo, oh, you dear idiots of Galatia. Now, this, again, this word is talking about those who knew better but failed to use what they knew. If you ever watch those shows on TV, the video shows, they show people doing crazy stunts and, <laughs> and stuff, and as you're watching it, you're, you're seeing them getting started. I mean, they're up on the roof with the skis. They have the trampoline down on the, fl- on the ground, and they're up on the roof getting ready to jump. And you, you're, you're thinking the whole time that you're watching this, right? You're thinking, you know that's not going to work. You know you're going to, you're saying it. You know you're going to get hurt, right? And you're thinking, people should know better. But what they do know, they're not putting to use right now. And uh, we, we see them pay, pay the price. Put this in your outline. When was the last time you refused, forgot, or neglected to use what you knew in battle? See, sometimes we look at the Galatians and we say, you guys are fools. You're idiots. But it sometimes comes back to play on us, too. Because they may have not used something that they should have used. They may have known some things and didn't put them to work. But we've done the same thing. I mean, we know some principles in prayer. And how often have we gone into prayer and we go back to our old ways of praying? We know the principles of faith. But then when we get into a place where we've got to stand in faith, we go back to the things that works. It, it's so easy to go back to what we are used to. It's so easy to forget the things that we know to do and to move on into some, some other areas. And then we blame it on God. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? The word therefore bewitched means to malign, to fascinate by false representations or to bewitch. Now let me read to you the whole J.B. Phillips translation. Oh, you dear idiots of Galatia, who saw Jesus Christ the crucified so plainly, who has been casting a spell over you? 
Who has been casting a spell over you? Again, back to the King James, New King James. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Who has bewitched you? Generally, whenever we have gotten off the mark from doing what we know to do, someone has helped. Someone has come along and given you their experience. Someone has come along and given you a wrong interpretation of the Bible. Someone has come along and shared with you a teaching that should never have been uttered. Someone has come along and pressured you or said things to you. Generally, someone has come along and done that. We don't just get off on our own. Generally, someone comes along and helps us. I put this in your outline for you. Seeing believers leave what they once saw so clearly is nothing new. And that's right. How many times have we seen people, they, they saw God as their healer. They came to a realization that Jesus Christ is my healer. Jesus healed them in their body. Something left that used to plague them. And then what happened? Someone came along and talked to them about this experience over here, this thing over here. And they went chasing after that. And eventually uh, forgot God as their healer. Forgot Jesus as the healer. Well, I, I thought I was healed, but I was wrong. They say stuff like that. The blank for your outline there is generally someone is behind it. Now, people leave for a number of reasons. We don't just leave something to go to something else. We leave for, if, you, if you leave a job, why do you leave a job? Most sane people. Most sane people... Leave a job because you got a better job. Most same people do not leave a job for a worse job. I'm being paid $20 an hour right now. You're going to pay me 10 Okay. That's not what most people do. I have benefits at my job. I have no benefits with here. Okay. We don't usually do that. Generally, it's because we see something better. Now, we've, we have in the past, we have left jobs that we thought were not as good as the job we were going to, only to find out the job we went to was not as good as the job we left. We've all done that. But when we first left, on paper, it looked good. Of course, we learned over the years to check your spirit, and your spirit will tell you some things. But you know, before maybe you learned that, before that was going on, there was, there's something that pulled you off of it. There's something that took you over that way. If you left one car to go after another car, and then that car was problem after problem after problem, but it looked good, right? It looked newer. It was shinier. It had more options. It, whatever it was, it was, it was better. We found out it wasn't quite as, as good. People leave what is solid for something else for a few reasons. First off, what is flesh? Uh, this has got to be the number one reason, I think, that people leave what is good for something else. That They leave for what is flesh. You look at most people that get, got involved in adultery. Why did they get involved in adultery? Because the Spirit of God was urging them? Because they were going to grow somehow? No. What was it? It's all flesh. I mean, there's no other reason for it. It's just a flesh thing. It's, uh, and then when they got involved in the thing, did it turn out to be better? No, most of them will tell you, now i got more problems than I had before. So it's, uh, 
we leave what is solid for what is flesh. Now, we do this in the spiritual realm, not just for, for, for physical things. We'll do this even in the area of uh, Bible doctrines. We will follow after the flesh. People, not, not you all here, you know, <laughs> other people. But you, you've heard people, you've seen people. They will follow after Bible doctrines because of flesh. And they will stole the, the values of this Bible doctrine, but it's all flesh. Here's the reason. I put this in parentheses in mind. I don't know if it survived in, into yours. I think I had to take them all out to, to make room. But false is easier to believe. It may be false, but it's easier to believe. And people go after it. You look at some of these uh, groups out there that don't believe that Jesus Christ is God. Because it's hard for them to believe that God is three parts. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So they have left that, that the Bible teaches, for something that's easier to believe, that God is God and Jesus Christ is the highest of all creations. They'll do something like that. Uh, and, you know, there's a number of things like that. There's, there's Christian churches who, who believe that Jesus is the Savior, but not the healer. Because that's harder. It's easier to believe that He heals some or that He teaches people uh, things they need to learn by being sick. And we'll hear these things come out of their mouth. Well, God must have something He wants to teach me. Because it's easier to believe that. It's a flesh thing. It's not a spirit thing. God didn't lead them into it. There's nothing in the Bible that supports it. But they'll believe it because it's easier. So sometimes we leave what is solid for what is untrue simply because of our flesh. It's easier to believe. It's harder to believe that. I don't want to. I don't want to believe that. I'd rather believe the, the thing over here. All right. Here's the second one. People leave what is solid for what is emotional. What's exciting. Things like visions. Great experiences. Lying signs and wonders. Things that make your emotions go pow. Get you excited. Oh, I like that. Make my emotions feel good. And they will leave what is solid to go after these things. But that's not what we should be, be doing. Jesus warns about this. He says, there's going to be many people who come in my name with lying signs and wonders. Don't believe them. Don't believe them. He says, this is how you, this is how you can tell. Look at, their, look at their works. Or look at their fruit. I'm sorry. Look at the, look at the fruit. that is. A, it, what kind of fruit do they have? Do they have the fruit of the Spirit? Do they have the fruit of love? They got something else going on. You can tell right there. Look at the fruit. What kind of things they have going on? But no, we'll just no. But oh, but I feel so good. You know, they'll, they'll go into a place uh, uh, be, not because of the the words being taught or because the spirit of God's going on, but because they have smoke, loud music. I mean, I, there's there's good churches that use smoke and loud music. I don't want to say that's a bad thing to to do. Uh, lights and all the, all the different things. You can, you can have that and still be, be going in the right direction, but you can also just have that and not have all the other stuff. And, uh, and people will go to it. It's like a rock concert experience. Come out of there feeling good. What did you learn? I don't know if I learned anything, but boy, I feel good. So it's another thing they'll do. They'll, they'll leave what is solid for what is emotional. And here's the third one. They'll leave what is solid for what is social. Well, I find friendships there. Business contacts, social networks, 
social groups. Well, I got a lot of people there who have my same interest. But are you learning the word? Well, not really. So I, you know, I, I go other, I listen to other things to hear the word. This is why we leave things: flesh, emotion, and social. We want to have these things supplied. We look at some of the great guys and gals in the Word of God, and most of them who were rock solid, doing supernatural things. God moved through them. A lot of them were by themselves. A lot of them didn't have a whole lot of support. Elijah, how much support did he have? Abraham, how much support did he have? Had his wife. His family wasn't much support. God even said, get away from him. He didn't quite do that, but eventually he does get away from him. He takes his wife. That's all he's supposed to do. What kind of things entice Lot to, to move into a group where he shouldn't have been? And he eventually lost everything. But he had a lot of contacts. Lots of stuff going on there. Well, we can think of others in the, in the Word of God who had these things. Now, not all of them were, were by themselves, but surely a good number of them was. These, are, these things are not what are going to make you strong spiritually or accomplish what it is that God wants you to do. What's going to get you to do what God wants you to do is what He says. Just follow what He says. I think I put it in your outline the uh, 20th century New Testament puts it this way. You let someone trick you. You let someone trick you. It's you. It's our doing. Put this question in there for you too. If we obey what is false, whose fault is it? Is it the one who follows or is it the one who leads? Whose fault is it? Now think about it this way. If no one led you, you wouldn't have gone. Right? But again, if you didn't follow, you wouldn't have gone. So whose fault is it? Now, we get into heaven, if they get into heaven. We'll say that and if there. It depends upon what kind of a thing they, they follow after. But say they follow after something that wasn't salvation critical. And they get into heaven. What's God going to say? Now, you can tell what, what they're going to say before God. They did it. They did it. I didn't know. They led me that way. And what's the other person going to say? They wanted to come. They, they wanted to come. I just told them what I thought was right, and they wanted to... Everybody's going to be blaming someone else, right? It's going to be just like I was in the garden. It's always somebody else's fault. Well, you're responsible for you. You aren't responsible for anyone else. You are responsible for you. You need to keep yourself on the right track. Paul's breaking this down for the Galatians. Who has bewitched you? But you left... You left. You were the guys. You had it clearly put in front. Paul, Paul saying, Barnabas and I, we were there with you. We showed you clearly. You saw Jesus Christ crucified. You saw the way of salvation. We demonstrated it for you as clear as possible. You saw it. When we left there, we knew that you had a handle on this. How did you get away from leaving that? Now, is there in, in, in this day, is there a better teacher than Paul? I don't know of any. Apollos is a good teacher. Maybe he's up there with them. Peter is a good teacher. I'm sure that he's up there. John, good teacher, probably. Uh, he's probably up there with them. But I don't know that any of them are better. I mean, Paul's got some stuff. Peter even says, man, he's writing some stuff. It's, it's tough to understand. Peter's even impressed with some of the things that Paul has got hold of here. 
He's a good teacher. When Paul comes through, you are equipped. He knows how to equip you. He gets it done. And he moves on to the next spot. But when he leaves, you're equipped. You are ready to go. Even if you don't have it, people around you, he's equipped them. Now you take care of them. Get them, get them to see this thing. He's, he's going to make sure that that's taken care of. He's going to have some Timothy, some Silas, some, some, he's going to have some Tituses around that he can leave there and they're going to be teaching you some more. So it's not the fault of the teacher. They did not leave because they were not properly taught. They left for another reason. We've got to understand, we can get pulled off. We can get pulled off. We've got to make sure that we, we stay in the Word. That we stay with people that are going to exhort us in the Word. We've talked about it before, associations. Be careful of associations. Be careful who you associate yourself with. Be, be careful who you closely associate yourself with. And keep those folks that are closely associated with you, people that are going to kick you in the butt when you need to get kicked. They're going to tell you, you know what? You need to stand fast and believe. Quit this crying. Quit this whimpering. Finding out, God, how come? Get up. We need somebody who's going to get with us like God got with Elijah. Get up. Get out. Get back to work. Let's go. We need somebody who's going to, going to help us out with that. All right, so he goes on. That's verse 1. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He is not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You find me one place in here where Paul is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is Paul talking about in this letter so far? We've gotten through two chapters. We're just starting chapter three. But what is he talking about so far? The gospel, salvation through faith in Jesus this is all he's talking about. He is not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He's not talking about healing. He is not talking about uh, being filled with the Spirit. He is talking about salvation. Because when we are born again, do we not receive the Spirit? Yes. We do receive the Spirit. Now, there's a, another infilling that comes in the baptism of the Spirit. But still, when you get born again, you receive the Spirit of God. So he's, that's what he's talking about when he says, did you receive the Spirit? He's talking about salvation. Don't, don't take it into any other place. That's where he is. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit? Did you get saved? You can put that in parentheses if you'd rather. Did you get saved by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Does anyone need to answer that question? <laughs> I mean, Paul's not waiting. He, well, he's writing a letter here, but he's not waiting for an answer. He's not really asking them a question. He's basically putting it to you this way. Here's a question. Did you get saved by, by faith or by works? And what are they going to answer? We got saved by faith. We believe God sent Jesus Christ as our Savior. We believe that. And we receive salvation. So he just goes on. Knowing the answer and knowing that they know the answer. Are you so foolish? Are you guys such idiots? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? So if the flesh could not bring you to the point of salvation, only faith could bring you to the point of salvation, how is it that you idiots think 
that anything but faith can take you on. If works could not bring you to the starting line, how can works take you beyond it? Is what he's saying. I mean, that makes it pretty clear, doesn't it? That's why he's calling them idiots. Stupid people. Fools. If works could not get you here, but faith did, what do you think can get you beyond? Faith. That's it. You got two you got two things at your disposal. You got the works of the law, and you got hearing of faith. That's it. Works of the law, hearing by faith. Which one got you here? Hearing by faith. Which one's going to carry you on? Really? Works of the law? That, that's what you did? You think that what couldn't get you here is going to get you beyond? That's why Paul is so upset. Works cannot get you saved. It's not that they can only get you halfway saved. They can't get you there at all. So he said, if you go back to what couldn't get you there at all, how are you even going to continue? That's why he's so upset. I mean, Paul is, he is irate right in this letter. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect? This is being brought to a place of completion. Not to the point where you are sinless. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being brought to a place where you are mature or complete. That's what he's talking about. Nothing to do with perfection as in yours. No more faults in you. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? This phrase, hearing of faith, you'll find two times in the Bible. Here in Galatians Galatians chapter 3 and verse 2 and verse 5. The works of the law, you're going to find a few more times. All of them in Galatians except for one. In Romans 9 and verse 32. You can look that up later on if you want to. This is the only place he uses this. Comparing the works of the law with the hearing of faith. He's trying to get this comparison going on between them. Because they are in two different schools. He says, I want you to be in the hearing of faith school. Don't let anybody bring you into the works of the law school. It's not, it isn't going to get you there. It's not going to help you. A couple of uh, other translations on this. I, I thought I pulled this out of your outline because we were tight on space, but I left it in. But so you got them right there. Uh, are you so foolish is translated by Wesley as are you so thoughtless? Another one, so void of understanding. Verse 4, have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So he's saying this, you suffered a lot of things to get you to that point of salvation. To get you to the persecution that came upon. You suffered a lot of things. Is it all in vain? Did you do it all for nothing? Did you go through all of that just to throw it away? Do you know people who lived their life for a time, got saved, got in church? Something happened. Somebody offended them. Somebody uh, let them down. God let them down. They weren't praying by faith. They started to pray by works and things weren't happening. And they threw it all out and they left. What are they doing? All that they did is in vain. If they could have spent 10 years of their life working, sowing things to the kingdom in the realm of the Spirit. Say they did that. 10 years. 20 years of their life. Sowing things into the, in the kingdom of heaven. And then walk away from it. And then what they did was in vain. They got nothing for it. Well, they won't even get to heaven to see any of that stuff. That's what Paul is saying to them. Is it in vain? Have you done all this and you're going to throw it away? 
you'll never get to heaven to see it? This is, this is serious stuff because again, he starts off saying, you left the gospel for one that is not even like it. He said, there's only one gospel of Jesus Christ and that is a gospel of faith, not a gospel of works. Anyone who preaches anything, whether they put God at the head, whether they tie Jesus Christ into it in any way, whether they have the Holy Spirit even involved, it makes no difference. If it is not a gospel of salvation by faith, it is not a gospel of God. There is no other way. What is our works seen by God as? Filthy rags. The best we can do is seen by God as filthy rags. He sees us coming in with the best we could do. I mean, we put our best in there. We suffered. We, we did the best. And God says, don't you bring that in this house. That is not coming in here. You leave that outside. But it's the best. I, I don't care what it is. I do not want it in my house. It's not coming in. You take it off right out there and we'll burn it. Because he doesn't want it anywhere near the house. What's he want? I got other stuff. <laughs> you don't need to be wearing those things. We're not going to have you. We have other things. Jesus has a rope for you. Put that one on. It's a whole lot better. Our best that we can muster to him is his filthy rags. We're not talking cute colored pictures that he'll put on the refrigerator. We're talking filthy rags. Stuff that, no, I'm not touching that. Mm -mm. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now look at this. He has just tied something together here very subtly. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you, that's what? Salvation. Salvation, the Spirit is supplied to us. He who supplies the Spirit to us and works miracles among you. Does anyone have any doubt how miracles are worked? It's by faith. He's just tied them together. In the same way that miracles are worked among you, it's the same way that salvation has come to you. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? If miracles are worked among us, does God do it by the works of faith? You know, those, those folks down there have been working really hard. Been faithful, been diligent a lot of years. I think they waited long enough. How about we go ahead and do it? Sometimes that's why we're, we're viewing God. But he says, no, the same way that salvation came is the same way miracles happen among us. It's by faith. Did he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Hearing of faith, what is that? When you hear the word, you believe it, act upon it. Hearing of faith. When you hear the way of salvation, believe it, act upon it, you're saved. When you hear the way that God does miracles, you believe it, you act upon it, you receive a miracle. How do we receive miracles in our lives? Go back to the words of Mary. Whatever he says to you, do it. She didn't say, whatever he says to you, question it. Determine if it's something good. And then if all seems clear, go ahead and do it. He doesn't say that. She says, whatever he says to you, do it. I don't know, but I think that whole miracle is put in the word of God just for us to get that. And then we have the example of the guys who did the water. 
What did he say? Fill them with water. What did they do? They did it. They didn't question it. They did it. Then he says, take some of it out and take it to the, uh, the, the, the chief of the master of the, 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 the feast. And what did they do? I'm not taking him any water. Uh-uh. You want him to have some water? You take him the water. I'm not taking him the water. They didn't do that, did they? Because what was the word? Whatever he says to you, do it. That's hearing by faith. I hear what he says. I believe it. And I do it. That's how it is. Works of the law does not do that way. Works of the law says, I be good, be diligent at being good, and then I get my reward. And this is how we, we were brought up, right? If we needed to get something from mom and dad, what did we do? What did we do? Finished all our chores and then some. And then when mom and dad are coming to our audience, now, guess what? I, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I did this, this, and this. Come see. Why? Because we want to achieve what we want by the works of the law. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted for him as righteousness. So what are you saying now is, all right, Abraham's your dad? Just as Abraham believed God. We're not giving you anything new. This is the same thing that Abraham did. It's the same thing I'm teaching you. It's the same thing that Abraham did. Abraham is way before Jesus. Paul is after Jesus. But he says, we're going to go way back to Abraham. Go all the way back. These folks that are coming in, they're telling you about Abraham. Abraham is justified this way. I'm going to take you all the way back to Abraham. Let's use him as an example. So he says, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Most of us would be happy if God spoke to us, wouldn't we? God came down and said that to us. How many of us were doing a dance of joy? This is good. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my... One... Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. He's got no offspring. He's going to go to someone else. God promised him offspring, didn't he? When God first came to him, God promised him offspring. You're going to have lots of kids. Right now, he's got none. He has done at least some of what God has asked him to do. He's at least left home. He brought some people with him. and He's uh, camped out right now, not quite where God wants him to go, but he's on the way, shall we say. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you were able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted to him for righteousness. Alright, now we all know that story. He has nothing to base it on right now. He has a promise from God. And he took that promise and he believed it. It's been delayed, but God gave him that promise again. And what did he do with it? The Word of God says, 
he believed it, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. In other words, it was put on his account. Put on his account to come. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, after this, we have Genesis chapter 16, and that's not a good chapter. That's a bad chapter. That's when they decided, you know what? We need an heir. Uh, we got a way we can do this. And so um, they went with their own plan. And it did bring about an heir. But God said, that's not it. <laughs> that's not the heir. That's not the one. I'm talking about one from Sarah. She's the one who's going to have the baby. Not Hagar. Sarah. Abraham saying, yeah, but look, just let Ishmael live before. Just come on. You know, let's just, let's just get with this. Then believe in God for a while hasn't happened. What did, what did it say in chapter 15? He believed God and God accounted to him for righteousness. That's the example that Paul's using. Now, let's go to chapter 17. Chapter 17 is very interesting. Verse 10. This is my covenant, God speaking to Abraham, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant, he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant." And the, and the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He's, he has broken my covenant. Down to verse 23. So, Abram, so Abraham took Ishmael, his son, all who were born in his house, and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abram's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that, day, that very same day. And God said to him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very same day, Abraham was circumcised in his son Ishmael. And all the men of his house, born in the house, were, were, were bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Abraham is circumcised in chapter 17 at age 99. When was he accounted righteous? Chapter 15. In chapter 15, was Ishmael born? No. Ishmael was born in chapter 16. How old is Ishmael now? 13. So we know that at least 14 years have transpired, possibly more, but at least 14 years have transpired from the time that Abraham was accounted as righteous until the time he was circumcised. Right? How is that possible? if circumcision is the key to being saved. If living up to the law was the key to being saved. What Paul is saying, I'm going to take you back to Abraham. Abraham was accounted to be righteous 14 years before he was circumcised. Before, before he lived up to any law. He was accounted to be righteous. If Abraham didn't need the works of the law to be righteous, why do you? Why do you? If Abraham was thought to be righteous before, how is it possible that you could be thinking this? 
Now, later on, we're going to see that uh, on Abraham's descendants, we have some, some uh, people that are born to the house of Abraham. And, 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 in fact, two of them are born at the same time, twins. And the Word of God tells us that one God loved and one God hated. That's the word of the words the Bible uses. That Jacob was the younger, but that the older would serve the younger. Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. Are they both Abraham's seed? Are they both circumcised? But which one was justified by faith? Jacob. Now, eventually Esau does come around. But not initially. The works of law don't account for anything. Not a thing. He goes on in verse 7. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. I don't care if you were born in the house of Abraham. I don't care if you have a Jewish name. I don't care if you have a Jewish mommy and daddy. I don't care if you were circumcised. Only those who were born of faith are sons of Abraham. That's it. Only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. That's it. If you want to be part of the Abrahamic blessing, you have to be of faith. Not of circumcision. But these guys came in and they, they preached, no, you've got to live after the law, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to become Jews. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So what he's saying to him is this. God preached the gospel in the Old Testament. Way back in the days of Abraham. God preached the gospel that I'm preaching to you now. God preached it to Abraham. And he said, Through you, all the nations, which means all those that were born of him and those who were not born of Abraham. All the nations shall be blessed because of you because it is by faith that we are brought in to the covenant of Abraham, not circumcision. Faith brings you into the covenant. Faith is what brought on the promise. The covenant was sealed by the circumcision. That was God's seal on his people until the thing would come. Never get the seal confused. If you were back in the old days and you wanted to send a letter and when it was important, you would take your seal and you would put it on there, hot wax, you know, put the little mark on there. And that would say, this is genuine. It's coming from you. It's got your mark on it. And you could give it to anyone to deliver it. But only one person could open it. The only one who could open it was the one it was addressed to. That's the only one who was supposed to open it. That's what all the thing is made of of Revelation when the seals are there. Who can, op- who can open the, the seal? Open the scroll. Who can open the seal? But one was found worthy. His name was on it. His name was on it. Now, take a, look at it this way. If someone sent you a really nice envelope and they put a nice seal on it, maybe it was a wedding present, 
Maybe it's an anniversary present. Maybe it was a birthday present. But they really dressed it up, put it in a nice envelope, and put a seal on that envelope. And, and they told you ahead of time what was in the envelope. I, I put an envelope on there, and I put a check in there for $5,000. That's a nice gift, isn't it? That's an all right gift. If you know, oh, this is the one. It has, the, has their seal. They told me it was on there. has their seal on it. If you saw that seal, what is the valuable part of that gift? What's in, it's not the seal, is it? No, but the seal said this is the one. But it's what's inside that's valuable. What happened with the Jews was they valued the seal. And they lost what was inside. So Paul's trying to bring them back to Circumcision is the seal. That's all it is. It's the seal. It's the mark that God says, these are mine. These are mine. And there's a promise coming. And by faith, you receive it. He says, you all lost sight. You thought the seal was the prize. It's not. It's not. The prize is coming. By faith, we receive it. It has nothing to do with the seal. It's nothing to do with circumcision. If that person gave you that same gift and didn't put a seal on the envelope, would it make the gift inside any less valuable? doesn't change the value of what's inside at all. And nor does it with God. In you, all the nations shall be blessed. All the nations. So this is the gospel that was preached way back, way back when. He said, God preached it to Abraham. This is not a new gospel. He didn't change things. Way back here, this is what his purpose was. This is how he was going to do it. It's through faith. Always been that way. The law came just to show you that you aren't making it. The circumcision came to put a seal saying you all are different. Why do you guys get that seal put on you? Because our God has made a promise. He's going to send it to us and this is our seal. We take that seal on willingly. But it's the promise that's coming. And by faith we receive it. This is the argument that he's making. In you all nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. If we stay in the realm of faith, we have the same blessing that Abraham has. We walk in the same thing. Whatever God promised Abraham is yours. If you stay in faith, it has nothing to do with what you do with your body. It has to do with what you do on the inside. I put this in your outline. Righteousness comes not by what is done in the body, but what, but what is done in the heart. Righteousness comes not by what is done in the body, but what is done in the heart. So then, those who are of faith, those who are of faith, these are the ones. Take you over to one more scripture. Romans chapter 9, verse 1. I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing witness me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God and the promises of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternal blessed God. Amen. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Just because they're in Israel, just because they're born of Abraham, does not mean that they are, part, they are also Israel. Nor are they all children, because they are the seed of Abraham. 
But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That in those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah had, had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet born, not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, The older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. So he's saying this this way. In the same way that Abraham had two seeds, one that was of promise and one that is of flesh, that people in this world are of two seeds. Some are of promise and some are of flesh. The ones that are of promise are those who by faith receive. The ones who are by flesh are those who by works achieve. That's the difference. They're all sons of Abraham, but only those of Isaac, does God say, are blessed. Only those ones. Is our vocabulary, i put this in your outline for you, is our vocabulary faith-based or works-based? Some of the things that we say will give us away. Are we truly faith-based or have we slipped over as the Galatians had and gone into a place of works-based? Here's some of the things that came to me. You think on this and you can come up with some other stuff, I'm sure. But here's some of the things. We've talked about some of these before. I don't think any of them are, are, are new. But here's a works-based vocabulary. I don't deserve. Why don't you deserve it? Because of what I have done or what I have not done, right? But I have been doing... What more could I have done? You ever done that? Why didn't God do this for me? What more could I have done? Why won't you? You ever gone that that with them in prayer? God, why won't you answer this? Why won't you? Have you ever done that? It's it's a workspace. Is is it a faith based one? If it's not faith based, it's what? Works. Works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've done it. We've got, we come into that place and we get we get uh, we get a problem. God, why won't you? God, I, I, I love my relative. Why won't you save them? Right? Why won't you? How about this one? But I need. <laughs> but I need. Is God moved by need? Nope. How's God moved? By faith. By faith. Yet we think He ought to be moved by need. If, if I let Him know. What I need. Doesn't the Word of God say He knows what you need before you ask? He's not moved by need. But I need. It works. But I lack. I don't have this yet, God. I, I need this. When Abraham comes to God and he says, What can you give me seeing as I don't have an heir? Is that faith? No. And God didn't call him a man of faith then. It said that after he gave him that other word and he believed it, then he counted to him for righteousness because of faith. But there wasn't faith before then. And you can see why. There's works. Because I, I lack something. I don't have something. You haven't given me a thing. <laughs> How about this one? I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait till next year. <laughs> right? I can't wait. <laughs> I have no patience. That's what we're saying. I only have patience for uh, uh, two days. I got two days worth of patience. That's it. Faith works by 
<laughs> by how? <laughs> patience. Faith works by patience. I heard one person, we were listening, I think it was, it was probably Keith, we were listening in the shop. Um, you have as much faith as you have patience. Yeah, that's not good news for all of us, is it? <laughs> that's, that's not always good news to, to hear that. All right, let's get into some faith-based work, uh, wording. Amen. Yeah. These, are, these are better, right? <laughs> How about this? I have been given. Is that faith? I have been. It's mine already. Abraham going around. God has given me the land. God has given me an inheritance. God has given me an heir. It's mine. It's mine. I have been given. That's faith. That's faith. My God will supply. My God will supply. What did Paul say? And my God will supply all your needs according to your riches and glory. According to His riches and glory. That's right. It's, he's got much more riches and glory than we have. My God will supply. That's faith. I will have what I need. That's faith. I will, ha- I will have what I need. Yeah, I like this one. I can wait. I can wait. Mm-hmm. Abraham waited 25 years for that promised son. Most of the time he was saying... I can't wait. I can't wait. I need it now. I can't wait. But finally he got to the place where he could wait. I can wait. I'm okay. I know what's coming. I can wait. Yep, that's where we got to get to. Jesus said, I'm going to send a deliverer to Israel. God waited 430 years. God can wait. God can wait. God was going to deliver Israel out of the land of Babylon. God waited how long? Seventy years. God promised in the garden, I'm going to send a a deliverer. I'm going to send someone. The seed of woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. How long he wait for that? Somewhere around 4,000 years. Something like that. Paul said, God said he's coming soon. Right? How long has he been waiting on that? That's 2,000 years he's been. I'm coming soon. Okay. He can wait. God's very patient. He's very patient. These are, these are, you can be thinking about it and come up with some other ones. Faith-based words. Works-based words. Which one is it? So here's a couple of questions for you to think about. How can we encourage faith over works in ourselves? What kind of things can you set up for yourself to keep your, your words keep your actions, keep your belief in line with faith? What kind of things can you do to help yourself stay in that area? Meditate on that for a little bit. Write some things down on there. Come up with some stuff. What can I do to keep myself in there? Here's another one for you. How can we do the same for others? What can you do to help other people stay in faith as well? What can you do in that? Paul right here is writing a letter to the Galatians. We've got to get them out of works. We've got to get them into faith. Don't think that they aren't your business. Paul made it his business for the Galatian saints. He made it his business for others too. To get them out of works and get them into faith. It's important. As Paul said, what you are following after is not even a gospel like the one that I preached to you. The one that Barnabas came and preached to you. The one that we demonstrated to you. We showed you Christ clearly. And yet you left it. Now, someone generally is responsible for leading you astray. But he's not 
talking to them. He's talking to the Galatian saints. You guys are fools. You are idiots. Why in the world would you leave what brought you to the point of salvation for something that didn't even have the power to get you there? Why would you do it? It'd be kind of like if you were going to go from here out to California. How would you get there? What's the best way for you to get there? Drive to the Philadelphia International Airport? <laughs> Book yourself on a flight? Fly on over there. Right? Now, a bicycle will work too, won't it? <laughs> Walking will work as well. But let's just say that you had to get from here to London, England. You're not going to get to walk there, are you? Mm-mm. Nope. Having a bicycle. Nope. That's not going to quite do it either. Nope. Will a, will a boat do it? No, I don't know if a boat will get you there either because you've got to get to the boat. And you got to make sure the boat can get you over to London. You might need a taxi once you get to the, uh, to the port. He's saying, why would you take something they can't quite get you there. Why would you walk to London when you could fly? Why would you go the way of works when that one doesn't work when you can go the way of faith? All you got to do is hear, believe, and act. Just do like Abraham did. Hear, believe, and act. Abraham's not even perfect after that. We got chapter 16 that came up. <laughs> but yet God said, he credited to his account. He's righteous. There's only one way to go. It's the way of faith. Make sure that the words we use with ourselves, the words we use for other people, those around us, does not encourage them to go in the way of works. It's encouraged them to go in the way of faith. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to walk out this life of faith. For you have called us to walk this way. And we will do it. We will follow after the way of faith. The way of works pulls us in because it's convenient to our flesh. It's something we can get a handle on. It's easier to believe. But it's not the Word of God. The Word of God is hearing by faith. Follow us what we need to do. Follow after that example of Abraham. Follow after that gospel that was preached in the Old Testament and that Paul continued to preach in the new. We are saved by faith and we are brought along the way from that point by faith as well in all things that we do. Thank you for the help that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.